This morning, we're going to actually do a bit of an overview of the book of Proverbs, just to set the scene. Because I don't know about you, although I'm excited now about the book of Proverbs, I wasn't always like that. In fact, I really struggled with the book of Proverbs. I wasn't excited by it at all. I've never been excited. I've never been that kind of guy excited about those pithy short sayings that you put on those inspirational posters on the wall. Always thought them cheesy, never liked them. You know, things like to the world you are one person, but to one person you could mean the world. It's like, oh, I kind of want to throw up when I hear that kind of thing. I just don't like those pithy sayings. And Proverbs was like, bad Twitter of the ancient Near East. It was just like, ooh, these little corny sayings. And then growing up in youth group, we would end up just kind of finding funny ones. And then that was the only thing we did. So we'd quote things like Proverbs 26, 11, as a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. You know, we just find silly ones. And we remember finding one uh, when we were teenagers, you know, you can't drink, you're underage. I remember finding a proverb in youth group. It was Pro- Pro- Proverbs 31.6, let beer be for those who are perishing and wine for those who are in anguish. So, you know, around our parents, we go, oh, dad, I'm in anguish. Give me some wine. You know, the, the Bible says, you know, give me some wine. You know, obey the Lord. Yeah, obey the Bible, dad. You know, and it was just, I remember people using it as weapons, like almost like proverbial put-downs of moralism in the church. I remember, you know, as a kid growing up and trying to, trying to make the right decisions, uh, someone would say, well, yeah, pride comes before your own destruction. You know, they'd use these weapons to me. And I'd think, oh. But worst of all, sometimes I would just get exasperated with them because I thought, they just don't work. I'd read them and someone would say, well, yeah, commit your wor- works to the Lord, as it says in Proverbs, and your plans will be established. And so as a young, eager disciple of Jesus, I would commit my plans to the Lord. And then I'd, I'd say, okay, Lord, this is, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And then when it didn't happen, it would actually really shake my faith. And I found the Proverbs, and I felt the Proverbs were dangerous because I didn't know how to handle them. I didn't know what to do with them. And so before we dive into this series, maybe you're not in that place. Maybe you've never kind of struggled with how do we read the Proverbs, but maybe you're like me and you have struggled. And so I want to do this morning is how do we read Proverbs? How do we read it? I'm going to ask three questions. What is the book of Proverbs? Secondly, why the book of Proverbs? And then thirdly, how do we read it? What is the book of Proverbs? Why the book of Proverbs? And then thirdly, how do we read it? So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 1. And we're going to go right at the very beginning where the book of Proverbs answers these questions in the first seven verses. And so if you have your Bibles, let's read Proverbs chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So let's pray as we dig in. All right, so let's pray. So Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this book of Proverbs, which 
I think sometimes has been really misused and misunderstood. And so we pray for your wisdom this morning to handle it correctly, handle it wisely. And so discover you, so discover your life for us, particularly as we navigate the complexities of life in L.A. as disciples and followers of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's dig in. What is Proverbs? What is the book of Proverbs? Well, in verse 1, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And the book of Proverbs is a collection of sayings and wisdom, predominantly of Solomon, but not just of Solomon. Solomon was around 900 B.C., but over the centuries after that, they collected the wisdom of Solomon, but also they collected other wisdoms of other kings or wise men. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they gathered this collection of writings, this, this collection of what the Bible then calls wisdom literature. Where in the Bible, as you know, the Bible is a library of books. It's not just one book, it's a library of books. And there is kind of a subheading called wisdom literature, within which you have Proverbs, but then you have two other books called Job and Ecclesiastes. And this wisdom literature is at the heart of the book of the Old Testament. And so you have these sayings, you have this, this wisdom literature, but why? Why is the book of Proverbs here? And it's very straightforward, isn't it? In verse 2 it says, for gaining wisdom and instruction. For gaining wisdom, God's wisdom for your life. Now the Hebrew word for wisdom is chokmah. And it's broader than we just think like a Yoda kind of wise guy. It is how God has created the world. It is through Chokmah that he created the world. The Proverbs says that creation was made through the wisdom of God. That there is woven into creation. That God the creator wove into creation his wisdom. That there was a grain to life called wisdom. That if you, if you live according to it, then life unfolds in fruitfulness and joy and peace and well-being before you. That there is a set of universal kind of cause and effects that when you actually live according to them, you're living according to the Creator's wisdom of how life works. That is, it is actually something which we are to choose to walk in God's wisdom versus folly, versus foolishness. So when you have a piece of wood, as you know, there's a grain to it, right? And if you cut along the grain, it goes really simple. It's a lot easier. And it looks beautiful and everything's going smooth. But if you cut against the grain, then it's hard. Then it actually feels like this is messy. It doesn't seem to work well. Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? It's the same thing in life. God says, I have put into creation wisdom, chokmah. I put into creation wisdom, and you are to live according to that wisdom to make the most out of life. So Proverbs is ultimately God mentoring you and me in how to live this amazing adventure called life. He's done that in many different ways, right? He gave us the Ten Commandments, which are the macro principles, but those macro principles aren't concrete enough for the daily decisions of our lives, one scholar said, just as the book of Psalms is the Lord's Prayer applied practically to every possible situation and condition of our hearts, so the book of Proverbs is the Ten Commandments 
apply to every possible situation in our daily lives. So you've got these great macro Ten Commandments, which are really crystal clear. Man, don't steal, don't lie, don't commit adultery. I mean, it's hard to kind of be confused by that. But I don't know about you, but I have so many daily decisions, I'm going, which way do I go? Which don't really be clarified with a verse in the Bible. But God says, I don't want you to be unwise. I want you to have my wisdom that you know how to find life in all the different scenarios of your day. Which is why over the next 10 weeks, when we look at LA Life, we're going to look at God's wisdom through the book of Proverbs for things like, should I quit my job or should I stay? How do I spend my money? Should I wear this or not wear this? You know, should I, what should I be looking for in a spouse? Should I stay silent or should I stand up and speak? How do I make friends? How do I keep good friends? When should I confront a friend on something? Or when do I just let them discover it for themselves? Should I Instagram this post or should I just stay quiet? Should I confront someone on Instagram or should I stay quiet? See, all of this isn't found in a single verse in the Bible, but it's given to us through Proverbs that we are shaped as people who are wise with God's wisdom that we step into situations and we can outwork the wisdom of God. You see, that's why wisdom is different to knowledge. The book of Proverbs is not about giving you facts and details and information. In fact, you could be the smartest guru in the world, but your personal life is falling apart because you don't have relational wisdom. We have knowledge everywhere, right? Any question my kids ask me, I don't know the answer. I go, well, Google it. You know, we can find the answer to almost everything. But the bigger questions of our lives, and I get this all the time as a pastor, and many of you have come to see me over the years and go, yeah, I don't know what to do about my kids. I don't know what to do about my job. Should I stay or should I leave? I don't know, is this person the right fit for me? Should I propose to this person? Should I? So these are the things that the Proverbs come to us as the incarnation of Christ to come and help us and show us. So how do we read the book of Proverbs? How do we not fall into the traps that I fell into as a teenager and go, I don't know how to read this. It doesn't seem to be that useful. Well, let me go through the five principles that we're going to apply to the book of Proverbs over the next 10 weeks to really glean God's wisdom. The first is this, read Proverbs with hunger. Read Proverbs with hunger. Hunger for God's wisdom. Verse 7 of what we read is very clear, isn't it? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The gateway to God's wisdom is fear. Now, This isn't fear of running away from God. This is fear of wanting to submit to him because you recognize he is God and he's the author of wisdom and therefore I fear a life without him. I fear a life of my own. I fear a life of trying to come up with wisdom by myself because if he is God, he has wired the universe to work in such a way that I'm afraid of living outside of that. I fear God. I fear his authority. I fear his kingdom. I fear his creation. And I want to live under it. I want to submit to it. You know, the author's so right, isn't he? You know, wisdom begins with where you go for wisdom. And if you go to God for wisdom, then you're going to find wisdom. But we search for wisdom in so many different places. 
you, you don't grow naturally out of the womb with wisdom. Look at any of our kids, and they're not wise. They'll touch the wrong things, and they'll do all sorts of stuff, and it will be damaging to their life. They need to grow in wisdom. But the psalmist says, be careful where you're growing in wisdom. Be careful about where you turn for wisdom. Most of us seem just to grow through suffering. You know, we tried that. It didn't work. It did not go well for us. And therefore, we learn from that. And there is that natural way of growing in wisdom through trial and error, trial and pain. Or sometimes we go to culture, don't we? We look at the wisdom of the city, the wisdom of the culture, which changes every generation, it seems. And we seem to go along with the wisdom of the culture and hope that works for us. I remember when I first came to LA, and my wife and I realized this week this week is 10 years exactly since we moved to LA. And we, I was remembering how someone gave me advice of how to thrive in LA when I first got here. He said, I was disoriented when I first came to LA. And it took me about six months to work out, this is how you survive and thrive in Los Angeles. I went, mate, tell me. Tell me your wisdom. And he goes, man, do you know what? The number one way to thrive in LA is to look after number one. Put yourself first and don't help anyone else. I thought, holy smokes, where have I arrived? What kind of city is this? But I realized it wasn't just him. That seemed to be much of the culture of wisdom in our city because people have dreams and they're looking to use other people to get their dreams and other people are in massive competition. There's only one or two spots and a million actors or a million musicians and so you have to look after number one and the wisdom of this city seemed to be look after number one and use other people and smile as you do it. And I just thought, isn't it so often that we turn to culture, the city, or even celebrities. We're looking at wisdom out there, but we end up realizing it's not leaving, not leading to the life that we want. And sometimes this culture says, actually, don't look elsewhere, just look within, look to self. You know, you'll be in some kind of fitness studio and you'll be meditating and the mantra will be, you know, just look within. Get in touch with your inner wisdom. Get in touch with your inner instincts. You be you. The problem is, which you are you, are you supposed to be? Because you've got this battle within you of not knowing what to do. And actually you realize, haven't you pretty realized by now, much of your instincts don't lead to the good life. And the Bible calls it flesh. And we're not supposed to follow the flesh because the flesh will mislead us. And so we're lost in this City of, well, where do I turn for wisdom? In Jordan Peterson's book, uh, Rules for Living, uh, 12 Rules for Life, in his introduction, he talks about this great crisis of wisdom. Because our culture has told us that don't let anybody tell you what to do and actually don't criticize anyone else in what they're doing. But everyone has this kind of equal moral equivalency that you can't judge or criticize or say someone else is wrong. They can't tell you what's wrong. And so we're all living in this lack of wisdom because we're not allowed to tell anyone that's probably not a great way to live. And he goes, but there are, there is this grain in the universe which God has created. This is wisdom. And we're so afraid 
to criticize or to devalue our own sense of our own self that we don't tap into the wisdom of God. But the proverb author says, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. I love that the first nine chapters of Proverbs are personified as a father instructing a child. And isn't that the cry of the heart of our culture right now? That we're longing for a parent to teach us, to train us. Many of us haven't been raised. I had great parents, but I know the story of many people not raised with parents who gave them wisdom that they fend for themselves. I was listening to an interview with Bruce Springsteen this week, and he was talking about his own upbringing was difficult. He really didn't speak to his dad, and there was a loneliness there, and certainly parenting wasn't a thing. It was just get on with your life as a kid. And he said much of that was like, that's why I went into rock and roll. And my lyrics were that. And he said, that's why, as the common saying goes, every rock star on stage, when they're wailing out their lyrics, is, are really wailing, Daddy, look at me. And the Proverbs is saying, this is what God is doing as a father. He's mentoring us. He's teaching us. And it's not just a father. And I love in Proverbs, we have this personification of male and female in the Trinity. Because you've got the father who's mentoring a child. And then the personification of wisdom later on is lady wisdom. Kind of like the Miss Marple or Agatha Christie. You know, these kind of really wise women who just kind of cut through all the stuff and go, I think this is what's going on. Fearing the Lord submitting to him. We're going to sing a song in a minute that says, hand held high. And that's the beginning of Proverbs, right? It's hand held high. Lord, I need your wisdom. But secondly, read Proverbs for wisdom, not answers. Read Proverbs for wisdom, not answers. I don't know about you, but I would love a kind of slot machine God that whatever situation I come into, I go, okay, I'll send up a prayer and I just need God to tell me what to do, Right? I need a hotline to God that in any situation, God can tell me what to do. The challenge is that is not how God wants to parent us. Yes, he gives us his Holy Spirit. And at times, I do believe in the prophetic. Of course, I do believe in words of knowledge. And at times, they will come to us to really help us discern which way to go. But the Bible mostly talks about not Holy Spirit prophecy, but Holy Spirit wisdom. It says Jesus, when he grew, do you know the two things it says he grew in from child to adult? It says twice in Luke's gospel, he grew in wisdom and favor with other people. That the Holy Spirit is to grow us in wisdom, that we do enter into life and we are the type of person, Christ-like in our nature, that we just naturally start to live out the Christ-like wisdom in every situation. You know, I've got kids and one's going to go to college soon. And, and I, you know, as a child, they come to me a lot and go, Dad, I don't know what to do about this. What subject do I do? You know, oh, that person says something mean. What do I do? And you want to help them, right? You give them answers, but you also want to train them to think for themselves. It'd be odd if my daughter or son went to college and then they're on the phone every day going, oh, this person was mean to me. I don't know what to do. Now, obviously, grace, I'm loving them, I'm there for them always. But as a parent, I'm wanting them to be mature in wisdom. And as followers of Christ, this is why the book of Proverbs are not answers, but they're a book that shapes us. 
to be the type of people who know how to live as followers of Christ in every situation. Proverbs is not a magic eight ball that you shake and don't know what to do and there's the answer. If you do that, you'll actually get into trouble because you'll see the proverb sometimes points you in different directions. But we have to submit to the Lord and go, Lord, I would like answers, but you prefer me to be wise. And so I'm going to commit to this long journey of becoming wise and wise in the character of Christ. Thirdly, Read Proverbs collectively, not individually. This is, I fell into this trap so much when I thought one proverb would summarize all of God's wisdom about that particular topic. And then you'd be able to quote that at other people and say, that's it, that's all, all you need to know. But you realize when you read the whole book of Proverbs that it's a collection of different proverbs and it's kind of like different facets of a diamond, different faces of a diamond. It's like every proverb is true, but say there's like 30 proverbs throughout the book on friendship. You have to read them collectively to understand the full truth, the full wisdom of God's friendship in the world. If you just look at one, you'll only see it partially. And in fact, if you only look at one, you sometimes will get misdirected because there are nuances that sometimes seem to contradict until you read them in the full. I remember looking over the next last six months of social media. Should I tweet this? Should I not tweet this? Should I Instagram this? Should I not Instagram this? Right? Should I comment on this person's ridiculous post or not? You know? And that's been a big battle in the church. And you read Proverbs and it says this in Proverbs 26 verse 4. Don't answer the foolish arguments of fools or you will become as foolish as they are. And so you think, great. Well, that's the answer. I won't comment. I'll just, I'm not going to answer. I'm not going to be a fool like them. I'm not going to comment. But then you happen to read the next verse and it says, be sure to answer the foolish arguments of fools or they will become wise in their own estimation. Oh, okay. I need to challenge these people. You know, and you see that on Instagram. Some people saying no, some people saying yes, and they're each claiming a verse to justify their behavior. See, Proverbs is not to be read as one verse, one proverb being the full wisdom of God. And as you read, and we're going to look at social media, we're going to look at how to disagree, how to confront, when do you confront. We're going to see that life is more complex than can be summarized in one verse. And God knows that. And so we have to come to the full testimony of Scripture as we read these things together. So when it comes to marriage, when it comes to friendship, when it comes to guidance, only when we see all the pieces come together do we start to see the wisdom of God unfold before us. Fourthly, read Proverbs as principles, not promises. Principles, not promises. See, there is a grain to the universe that God has woven in called wisdom, which he says, look, if you live this way, and this is what Lady Wisdom is telling us in Proverbs, she says, live this way and life will unfold in fruitfulness before you. Live this way and it will go to destruction. And this is the grain of the universe. But we also know through the rest of Scripture, that this universe is broken. That through the rebellion of humanity against God, we wanted to be our own gods, we've rejected God, that things are broken. We, we took the wheel of the car way back in Genesis ch chapter 3, and guess what? When a six-year-old takes the wheel of a car, bad things happen. And that's the story of the world. And so there is a grain, but every now and again, 
we will go according to what the Proverbs is telling us is the way of life. But because there's opposition, because there's brokenness, sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes it doesn't go according to Chokmah. Most of the time it does. But sometimes there's pain in our lives where, you know what, I invested everything in my kids. It says in Proverbs, train up a child the way that he or she should go and they will never depart from those ways. But I'm grieving because my children in this season are not following the Lord. You know, Proverbs 16.3 said, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. It's like, God, I did that. I interceded, I prayed, I committed them, but they didn't happen. Proverbs 16, 7. When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes the enemies to make peace with them. And so you're doing that. And then you're thinking, but God, you haven't fulfilled your end of the bargain because you said if I did this, then my enemies would repent and live at peace with me. And yet I'm, I'm hiding from my enemies because they're so abusive of me right now. I mean, have you ever been in these situations where you think, hang on a minute, Hokma didn't work. And sadly, I've seen people shipwreck their faith. I've seen people shake their fist at God. I've seen people say, well, this doesn't work. And because we've read the Proverbs as promises, not Hokma, not recognizing the full narrative of Scripture that there's brokenness, that even in the life of Jesus, the, what, the true personification of wisdom, he found himself suffering. He found himself betrayed. You see, God knows this, and that's why he gave us the wisdom literature, which is the proverb says, this is the grain, but please read Proverbs alongside Job and Ecclesiastes. You know, if you're going to have a dinner conversation with Proverbs, make sure you invite Job and Ecclesiastes to the table. Because Proverbs is going to go, this is the rule of thumb. This is how God wired the universe. Please follow this. Don't do something else. Of course, don't do something else. But Ecclesiastes is going to be there going, I know, but it didn't work all the time. It's meaningless. And sometimes, don't you feel that way? You feel it's meaningless. And then Job's there going, yep, 99 times out of 100 it works. But guess who's living the 1%? And Job's there to say, but even in the 1%, God is still with me. Now don't give up. God is good. But yes, we are living in the battleground of the world, the flesh and the devil. And sometimes Hochmer is opposed. Read the book as God's trajectory for your life. But don't shipwreck it when we're living in the brokenness of this world. And then finally, read Proverbs with hope. Read Proverbs with hope, particularly hope in Christ. You see, there's only one way to read the book of Proverbs, really, and that is through the lens of Jesus. Jesus, it says in 1 Corinthians 30, is the personification of wisdom. He is the incarnation of perfect wisdom. That's why in the Sermon on the Mount, he was so bold to say, you've heard it say in the Ten Commandments, this, but I say this. And he wasn't disagreeing, but he was expanding. He was pushing the, the boundaries of where the wisdom of God goes into all area of life. Of life. This Christ is true wisdom. And therefore, he brings hope to us in two ways. First of all, this, he brings hope to us that we can actually grow in wisdom. 
That you, these are not moralistic laws that we look at it and go, well, I can't do that. I can't do this in my own strength. And you're right, you can't do it in your own strength. But it's where we surrender to Jesus as we sing to him, I surrender, hands held high. Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, give me the power to live this way. It's why this is only read through the lens of Jesus because in our own strength, we can't do it. But Christ is in us. He's the hope of living in wisdom. And then finally, not only hope to live it, but hope to redeem. I don't know about you, but I come to this talk knowing, man, I've messed up. My life is showing the results of not chokmah in some relationships and in some situations. And we're all victims of our own rebellion. And we come to this thing going, oh my word, is there any hope for me because I've not lived this way? And then we hear the personification of wisdom, Jesus Christ saying, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. I am the wisdom that will take you forward and redeem the mistakes of your past. Renew them and turn them for good if you come to me. And so that's what we're going to do now. And that's what we're going to do over the next 10 weeks. We're not just simply putting proverbial posters on a wall. We're allowing these proverbs to lead us to Christ, to give us hope and power to live into the life that he has for us. So why don't we maybe stand if you're at home or wherever you are. Let's just close our eyes and let's pray as we come to worship and surrender our lives to him. Surrender our lives to the fear of the Lord, to, to your wisdom, not our own. That in every situation we act as followers of Christ, particularly in these moments of turmoil in our culture, in our politics, in the church, that we go, you know what? I'm going to live into God's wisdom, not my own. But Christ, I need you. I surrender. Give me your power. And where I've messed up, forgive me and redeem it. And I trust in you. Let's worship together.